everything it's the spookiest day of the year and we've got a lot of scary topics to talk about so let's not hesitate let's get started and let's go ghouls Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Saturday, October thirty first, which means, of course, that it is Thomas Bukanich's birthday today. Um, you know, so no, it's also it's also Halloween, and we are here to commence uh, two hours of wall to wall election coverage. Isn't that right, Ian? Oh yes, uh, this will be a very bizarre podcast. <laughs> The scariest thing I can imagine is promising election coverage to the people. So, you know, we just wanted to give them a fright right out of the gate. Now, uh, we're back. It's been a while. I don't even remember. I was in Florida the last time we recorded. Um, there hasn't been uh, much blues-specific news to, uh, to uh, you know, talk about. But a lot of uh, hockey news has been building up. Ian has been quarantined. <laughs> I just did that on the spot. Are you so are you so proud of me because of what like three or four degree contact with a, a positive test? So you know, playing it yes. safe, being smart. Kevin Kevin Bacon had the coronavirus, <laughs> and therefore we all might have the coronavirus. <laughs> so uh, we are on a, a Zoom once again, in case our uh, voices sound a little little less crisp than normal. Uh, but you know. Ian, it is Halloween, our, one of our favorite holidays, holidays, the podcast's favorite holiday by mm -hmm. far, I would say. Uh, and I thought we'd start it out uh, with something that I haven't even prepared you for, which means it could be a total dud. Um, <laughs> Hockey-related uh, Halloween names is the category. And oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start you out real easy uh, with a gimme, with a toss-up. It's uh, Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord uh a halloween you know for obvious reasons because gourds are pumpkins again mm -hmm. i don't know if you knew that um but uh you know another one i thought of uh honestly my biggest disappointment with doug armstrong this year is that he did not draft gunner wolf fontaine in the uh closing rounds of the nhl mm. draft 
if that man doesn't become an NHL player for the sadly uh, Nashville Predators, I'm going to genuinely just be sad. Um, <laughs> it just gonna, I mean, his literal God given name, I mean, people given name because people name people. That's how it works. Uh, is Gunnar Wolf Fontaine, you know? So it's like, I don't care if he was a 202nd pick. He's got to make the league as far as I'm concerned. I know, right? You don't realize how important a name is until you have the perfect name. And then you realize that the doors should just be opening for you. <laughs> That's right. That's I mean, right. honestly, That's... I'm being, I'm being for real here. Cause like, you cannot... you name your kid, like something, you know, something yeah. impressive. Oh Almost yeah. Jaden, cool. Jaden Raiden crap. You will never walk in to a, a BP gas station and see that the guy behind the counter has the name Gunner Wolf on his uh, on his little name tag there. You know, with with all due respect to people who work at BP gas stations, I've worked at Deerberg's. I worked at Deerberg's for like a much part of a decade, so you know I get it. But it's just not a Gunner Wolf profession. I feel mm-hmm. like. Um, the other, you know, there's a there's a uh, an obvious cheating, almost cheating level of uh, hockey Halloween, and that'd be of course uh, Miroslav Shatan. Um, mm. You know that one's that one's a gimme. Uh, and then I, I found out that there was a player who played uh, for a hot second for the Minnesota North Stars named Jim Boo. So. <laughs> um, it's just you know, B-O-O. It can't be B-O-O. B-O-O. Yeah, no. Yep. Really? B-O-O. Jim Boo. I think he had 22 penalty minutes, which is actually a, uh, a statistic they measured. <gasps> Born in Rolla, Missouri. What? That is spooky. And ra- <laughs> I'm raised in Matomedy, Minnesota. Is that how you pronounce that? Oh, Menominee? No, it might be Metomini. Uh, it's it Minnesota. Sorry, there's a Menominee, Wisconsin that my dad went to college in. I was like, this is uh, getting too weird. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Jim Boo, is, Jim Boo is starting to spook me. After his hockey career ended, Boo, Boo began working in the real estate in- industry, eventually forming his own company, Team Boo Realty, with his wife, Tracy. Boo is also involved with High Point Realty, and other Minnesota-based real estate firm. Well, uh, you learn something new every day. So uh, that's some uh, Halloween-themed hockey names. Any uh, come to your mind that you uh, thought of while we were doing that? I was trying to think of some. And I, there's none. There's none. I mean, Zidane Chara looks like a jack-o'-lantern if you stare at him long enough. Yeah, and about as tall as Frankenstein. <laughs> you want to talk about scary-looking players? Zidane Chara with his, uh, with his like uh, broken jaw mask from last year's playoffs. Mm-hmm. there you go that's how you do it that's a halloween costume for you for sure gotta have to walk on stilts though <laughs> uh so yeah you know it's halloween uh i'm sure we've already inserted some themed music uh to set the mood um you know maybe we'll just put the entire uh entire recording through like a spooky filter no i'm just kidding that'd be terrible uh, but uh, <laughs> but you're <laughs> but you're hearing it now through that spooky filter, so we made the poor decision. <laughs> but speaking of things that are spooky and sad and disappointing, the NHL has officially canceled the 2021 Bridgestone Winter Classic that had been scheduled for January 1st between the Blues and the Minnesota Wild at Target Field, Minneapolis, uh, according to Jim Thomas, due to the coronavirus virus, which seems redundant 
And All-Star Weekend has also been canceled for this coming season. I don't think either of these are a surprise, uh, but it's sad that this is officially happening. And it's even sadder that there's no guarantee uh, that the Blues will be the team that ultimately plays against the Wild and Target Field. It is, uh, I think, it is known for sure that Minnesota will still be the host and they'll still host the Target Field, presumably, you know, hopefully in 2022. Um, but right now, uh, there's no certainty that the Blues will be the opponent. What is your, uh, what are your thoughts on this development, Ian? Oh, it's it's too bad. I'm, you know, obviously it makes sense if they're canceling it. I know a lot of people talked about how it would be fun to have this as like the opening event to the season, but also mm -hmm. it, that's only really fun when there's people around, but it would yeah. have been nice to have it outside and have a little fun event. But yeah, I can see why they're not going to go through all the work to do that, you know, quote unquote, waste a winter classic. Um, it's too bad that the blues can't be like confirmed as like the official opponent in 2022, but I get that, you know, if, maybe the blues stink this year and they fall out, they fall out of like, you know, the, the eye of the NHL, although they're giving this to Minnesota. So what do they care about ratings? Um, I just find it's, it's too bad, but it's also, I think it's not as bad because we already had a winter classic and it was in St. Louis. So if you don't, if the blues don't get to be an opponent, you know, in an opposing city, oh, well. Yeah. I'm more, I should say I'm more sad for the, uh, I'm more sad for the fact that we won't be getting like another winter classic Jersey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want that for sure. Although, you know, maybe we could get a black and green neon Jersey. Oh boy. I hope here's hoping mm -hmm. uh, there have been rumblings and I'm sure they're probably not true. Although I think it would be a, a real shame if they weren't about possibly playing an outdoor game somewhere like Lake Louise, which is a very famous, very scenic um, outdoor, I mean, outdoor, duh, it's a lake, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, a, a place in Alberta that routinely gets cold enough for, uh, you know, people to skate on it and, and potentially play hockey. Um, that'd be amazing if they did something like that, if they pulled something like that off. Um, you know, who knows if they actually would pull that off and do it, but it'd be pretty freaking cool. Um, and, you know, one of the rare opportunities where you can do that without sacrificing uh, ticket revenue or something because, you know, uh, no fans and such. Um, so that'd be cool if they pivoted to something like that. I mean, I would, I would think this would be an opportunity if the NHL wants to be a little creative with some stuff like that for them to take advantage of it. But uh, it's also the NHL, so, you know, I'm not counting on it by any means. Um, but that's that. I guess we'll know more uh, when we know it, and hopefully the Blues will still be uh, the opponent in the long run. I don't think they're necessarily trying to pivot off the Blues. You know, I just think, um, like like you said, it's just kind of uncertain how the chips will fall this year, and and you know they they like to revive like uh, playoff rivalries and stuff like that too. So it's possible. I mean, the, the Wild won't be in the playoffs. Don't think you know anything potentially so yeah. uh speaking we'll of oh go ahead go ahead no i was just gonna say we'll see where it goes so go ahead i uh, like speaking of because i forgot to toss in these notes of these uh these green these bright neon green and black dallas stars jerseys what do you think what do you oh, think of these things you know I'm, I'm 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 gonna be real honest with you i hated them i hated them at first 
And now I'm a, I've moved a little bit towards like, well, let's just see how it goes, you know? Mm-hmm. Like at first I was like, oh, that's disgusting. And I think it was because of the video they presented of him, like it was in the bright green room and everything. It was just like too much. Um, but like seeing him just kind of in, in static, like in, in just a, you know, just in a picture, they look, I, I wouldn't go out and buy one you know but they look like they might be kind of an interesting change of pace and and again to give the nhl credit very different from anything i would expect the nhl to allow traditionally Mm. um and you know i think that's always kind of sort of a win is to move the nhl outside its comfort zone even in little ways like that so in that respect i'm okay with them what do you think yeah, I was going to say, they. I'm not as down on them as I feel like a lot of people are. I think some people have said they like, a lot of people seem to like the black, but they don't uh-huh. necessarily like the bright neon green. Um, yeah. I don't mind, but again, I agree with a lot of people, though, too, that they look good in a studio and lit that way and everything, but are they going to look good on, like, bright ice, you know, against yeah. that white backdrop? Obviously, black will look fine. We've seen black jerseys before, but just that neon green, um, that's sort of what I've Honestly, not the black, but the green was what I thought maybe Seattle was going to try and run with because when they came out, you know, with the Kraken, just because it seemed like that's sort of the, that uh, city's colors with the Seahawks and with the Sounders. Um, Sounders? Yeah, Sounders. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just seemed, it seemed like that would be a color they used, but it's cool to see Dallas using it now too. Um, I think they had to use neon green. I saw some people, oh, you can put victory green on that. And I was like, I had just... I think that's going to fade into the black a little bit from a distance. This, these will at least you'll be able to see that green from far away. Um, they'll be interesting. I'm, I give them credit for doing something different. I, I don't even think they're that different for what people are saying. So we're like, this is crazy. I'm like, have you seen like any '90s jerseys? Like, they're we've had some flamboyant jerseys. Um, yeah, for better or worse. And the one thing I will say that I really do like about it is the like the logo like obviously it's the d with the star behind it like you've seen on all their other jerseys but you also have that outline of texas and i'm not i'm not a huge like rah-rah texas sort of guy or whatever mainly because i'm not from there you know um <laughs> but it, i think it looks like a really cool logo though i think it fits really yeah. well on that jersey and um i'd i'd get one if i liked any player on that team but uh i don't i'm, I'm struggling to think of anyone yeah, man. I guess I love Miro Heiskanen. Maybe yeah, too. yeah. He's he's um he's in inoffensible. You know, he's just not offensive. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna fucking brain Jordan Kyrou next week. Now that I said that, isn't he? <laughs> I'm gonna get myself a uh, Rick Bonus uh, jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Can you and imagine? Make the number, number seventy five or whatever. <laughs> Rick Bonus talking to players wearing those jerseys just feels like might as well have like. A civil war uh you know general using an iphone <laughs> or it's just like what, what am i looking at yes uh this is joshua lawrence chamberlain checking in with <laughs> have you seen any of the other um jerseys coming out so apparently there is a like fourth jersey program that's going to be this year um, I wonder if this was in the works before all COVID stuff, probably. And they're just like, well, you know, we've got jerseys made or whatever. So let's just go with it. I know probably God help with revenue it's too. It's really hard for Adidas to. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. They got it in my head that apparently, like, you just Adidas that makes nothing but sporting equipment and 
paraphernalia just can't make more paraphernalia. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, I think you make a really good point though about it's, you know, it's a revenue stream, which by the way, is fine. Like that's not, sometimes yeah. I feel like pe people react to stuff like that. Like, oh, they're just trying to make money. It's like, yeah, man. Well, yeah, I know. I know. Like, what do, what, <laughs> they're not going to give you a free fucking jersey. Like, yeah. that's what all this is for. Um, yeah, the, the, it's it seems interesting because it sounds like it's supposed to be like every team that I've seen, like, Rigoda's Ice Athletics. I, I don't know if that's the actual name. There's a website like that that um, tracks a lot of like Jersey news and stuff like that um, for the NHL. And I think I read somewhere on there that they said it might not be every team, but it's like a lot of teams are doing this fourth jersey program stuff where it's basically like a reverse retro jersey. So they're basically jersey watch aesthetics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Okay. But it's going to be like an old jersey that your team has worn before design wise, but they're called like reverse retros because they're basically going to flip the colors. They're going to flip like the primary and secondaries. Um, I've seen Pittsburgh's. I've seen. The, I've seen uh, Philadelphia's and they, they look interesting but um, I'm interested to see if the Blues participate in that at all because obviously we have the Winter Classic jersey as a third jersey currently and then last year we had the throwback to the 90s jersey and I don't know to me that always felt like that wasn't going to be like a permanent fourth jersey that felt like a, a one-year thing so I wonder if we're going to participate in this and have a new fourth jersey It'd be interesting. You know what's grown on me a little bit uh, is the uh, quote-unquote senator's redesign. Oh yeah, it's not. Uh, it's I wouldn't say it's amazing, but also their last logo kind of sucked. So that's that's you know, the thing. I like the <laughs> I like the this new logo, which is their old logo, but uh -huh. the jersey itself does feel kind of like. Like it almost feels like you should. They, I think it almost looks like they went with the exact same jersey from like yeah. the nineties. And like to me, it's like you should. It should be seventy-five percent that, and then make it look a little more like trim or whatever. But when I uh -huh. see um, what's his name? Uh, what's their German Brady. player they just got? Oh, uh, 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 Stutzla. Stutzla. I knew it. I was like, it's a, it's an extra little Stutzla in it. I'm wearing it. I'm like, that looks cool, but also it kind of looks sort of, it just looks a little dated, just a little. Mm -hmm. I still prefer it to their old jerseys. Um, but it, to me, I'm like, oh, it just needs this little, a little bit of fine tuning, but I do love the logo. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I say, again, this should be the year that the NHL should go wild in as many ways as possible. Um, because what do you have to lose, you know? Mm -hmm. you want to draw more eyes to the product you want um you want people to uh watch and buy jerseys and buy products you just i i say go for it and see where it gets you it's funny you bring that up too because it, i agree they should and then they've also had like just rumors and smoke and stuff about how the nba i think it's i mean i think this is a fact that the nba has basically said they want to start um, they want to start their season like pretty much right after Christmas or just like uh -huh. right before Christmas, um, which I get makes sense because people have time off and they have time to watch this stuff. Isn't like, isn't Christmas day like a big NBA day now? Is that uh, Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is weird. I, I really thought for a second you were going to say, isn't Christmas like December 23rd this year? Or... <laughs> Didn't they move that? Didn't they have to move that? Um, no, but yeah, traditionally it has been a big, uh, big basketball day. 
Yeah. So I know they want to like try and start around then. And I saw, or maybe I heard like on 31 thoughts or something where they were like, Oh, this is making the NHL really feel like they need to move up and, you know, sort of match around that time. And it's like, man, come on, when are we going to get over this? Like, you're not, you're not the NBA. You're not another league. You st- start yeah. when you need to start. Like I get, you want to capture stuff. But why, especially why would you want to start around when the NBA starts? Okay. Now yeah. we have one TV in my household. What will we watch? Most people will watch the NBA. So it's like, why would you, they always want to not compete. And then all of a sudden I heard, oh, no, no, they want to catch up to the NBA. And I was like, uh, I thought the whole point was to try and like move away from the other leagues so you could get more eyes on your product. So it just seemed really weird. It does seem like, like they have to have their plan, right? Even if they don't know the start date. Yeah. They have to know essentially what the plan is, right? And yet we are like, okay, even if they start in February, which I did, I think is pretty unlikely now. We're three months away, and we have no idea. We have no idea what the season will look like, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like so, so weird to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, and we'll find out, I guess, eventually. Mm-hmm. We'll know when Gary wants to tell us. Um, Damn it, Gary! Stop <laughs> being such a monster. Uh, yep. Yep. He is a bastard. So moving on from uh, one team that may have a uh, fourth jersey next year, but will not have a fourth round pick, the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, was he a third round pick? Well, that's disappointing. I, I goofed it. Uh, no, this is uh, this is a, a a story that has been uh, you know the talk of hockey for the last week or two. The Arizona Coyotes have officially renounced their rights to Mitchell Miller, uh, who I will call Mitch Marner at least once during this conversation. (laughs) Even when you just said Mitchell Miller right then, I wanted to correct you, and then I had to correct myself in my head. Uh, Whom they drafted in the third round earlier this month. Uh, The Coyotes organization made this decision after information on Miller and another individual's heinous racist abuse of of, uh, Black development... I cannot speak, of a Black developmentally disabled classmate, uh, Isaiah Meyer Crothers, hit social media. The abusive act detailed below took place when the boys were all 14, but the bullying started years before that. From azcentral.com, four years ago, Miller admitted in an Ohio juvenile court to bullying Myers Crothers, who was tricked into licking a candy push pop that Miller and another boy had wiped in a bathroom urinal. Meyer Crothers had to be tested for hepatitis, HIV, and STDs, but the test came back negative, according to a police report. Meyer Crothers, also 18 and who now lives in Detroit, said Miller had taunted him for years, constantly calling him Brownie and the N-word while repeatedly hitting him while growing up in the Toledo suburb. Other students at their junior high confirmed to police that Miller repeatedly used the N-word in referring to Meyer Crothers. Uh, from the judge in the court case to NHL scouts, many close to Miller have commented on his lack of remorse over these acts of bullying. Meyer Crothers' mother uh, saying that even after the court case, Miller has yet to apologize to Isaiah directly. The University of North Dakota removed Miller from their hockey team yesterday as well. Uh, but it's important to note that the first year of Miller's athletic scholarship will be honored by UND if he remains in school. Um I mean, obviously, this is a tough story. I haven't seen a lot of, and I'm I'm glad of this. Uh, the kind of like I'm sure it's out there. 
but the kind of well this is just cancel culture and and you know that sort of stuff and and look i'm i'm genuinely not a big fan of of cancel culture or whatever you want to call it but uh this is on another level to me you know <laughs> like i don't care if you're uh 14 or you're 18 or you're 45 uh what well, you know the actions i just described you have to know are wrong um and you know if if he'd been a punk kid and a 14 year old idiot who did these things and then you know was just shaken to his core about it after the fact and apologized and and was filled with remorse you know i think that'd be one thing but the fact that he could go through all this and apparently you know have little to no remorse is just uh you know i think i'm sorry but i don't think you're entitled to just uh live the life you want to live after that if you you know if you refuse to kind of undo your wrongs and um you know, not that not that it really makes any difference, but especially with someone who's developmentally disabled on top of everything else, like that's just a completely, um, yeah, I just don't get it at all, honestly, and and uh, can't say I fault Arizona uh, for uh, moving on and just you know kind of taking the loss. They've been, they've been taking the L a lot publicly lately. <laughs> honestly. But, um, I do feel kind of like, oh, poor Arizona. I'm just like, yeah, mismanagement after mismanagement. Good job, uh, good job, Bill. I mean, I don't think any of any of these things were your fault, but you really walked into a mess, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so, thoughts on this? Yeah, it's just I think this is. I think I agree with you. Um, you know, we can talk about cancel culture and things like that, and there is an awful lot of that for sure. Um, but this is one of those things where like, I, it's just not so black and white. I think with a lot of things, I think we live in a world in a time where we like to make things very black and white on, on any side of any argument really. And it makes things a lot easier for sure. And, you know, I'm one to do what anyone is, but it's still like, there's a lot of gray and this is kind of one of those gray areas where it's like, yeah, I get, he was 14 when he did this. I get like, you're still a kid, you're still a minor, but like, there's just, there's sometimes there's just facts and you just have to read the facts that you're presented and be like, okay, that's just not okay. You know, it's not the same as something, you know, as something else, like you said, someone else doing something real dumb and then being very remorseful about it. And like, there is plenty, I'm sure in hockey and in other sports and just in every walk of life of people as kids doing dumb things that then do get second chances and are, you know, are sorry and they move on and that's, and you know, life goes on and they've learned and things like that. I'm sure there's dudes in the NHL that picked on other people, like, you know, thousand dollars on it for sure. But like, it's just different when it's, when it's these specific circumstances, you know, you're picking on someone, they're developmentally disabled. It's not great to pick on anyone regardless, like you said, but this, that's like, um, you know, racial slurs, it's not being remorseful. It's like having scouts, NHL scouts that I think, uh, where did I read it in? I think it was in a, a hockey, not a hockey writers, uh, the hockey news or something like that, um, where they talked to NHL scouts that were like, yeah, we talked to him and we even talked to him about this incident because that was, you know, kind of stood out to us and he just didn't seem like he wanted to talk about it, but it wasn't like in a like, in a sad way or whatever, but just was like, nah, it's not a big deal to me sort of thing. And it's like, uh, okay. Um, it just, there's a lot of things that are swirling around this that make it seem like, okay, we need to we can't have this guy in our organization. Um, and 
I get that that can stink for someone that's, I mean, to put it lightly, for someone that's that young. But I also think something like this might just be the thing that needs to happen for maybe him to realize that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it is one of those sort of tough love things. And like, I, there, I've seen this all over the place and I completely agree because I feel like a lot of people are talking about him specifically and not the victim. There's one victim here. You know, it's Isaiah Meyer Crothers. Like, okay. I feel terrible for this kid. Um, and I hope that, I hope somehow they're able to move past all this. I know it's probably very traumatizing and it's hard, um, but I hope somehow he's able to, you know, find some some peace moving forward. But having said that too, um, I think like the Coyotes might've been like done, might've done the best thing for, for uh, Mitchell Miller because I want to say as a minor and there has to be some like, accountability for the people around him like I really don't want to like take the blame away from him because he is as an individual 14 is old enough to know right from wrong and all that especially with this kind of crap but like also does he have parents does he have like like I don't I just I know you can't control you can't literally control a kid like you know put him on a a leash or something but it's like what like I feel like there's just been a, a dropped ball all over the place with this kid you know what I mean like, yeah, I don't I'm not know. trying to absolve him from what he did at all. But what I'm trying to say is like, he need, he obviously needs help and mm-hmm. someone needs to help him. And I feel like no one's helping him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, I think that's, uh, it's pretty obvious. I mean, he went to court. He went to actual court over this, you know, um, and nothing has changed about his demeanor or his mindset or any of it. It's like, yeah, that's, uh, that's a parenting, yeah. you know, fiasco. And maybe his parents are just shitty. I mean, that's obviously yeah, I mean, possible. There's, but... there's plenty of them. Yeah, it's just, that's the thing. It's like, I guess to to kind of wrap my point and not go crazy, it's like, I think rather than this being like cancel culture on the Coyotes part or something like that, um, I think given the circumstances, they're doing the best thing they can in this situation. And I also think maybe it's the best thing for this kid rather than viewing it as like a complete negative and be like, how could the Coyotes do this? You know, they're ruining his future. It's like, maybe they're, you know, I don't want to be too high up on a pedestal, but maybe they're saving this kid, you know, maybe this is like the, you know, the kick in the butt that he needs. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it's a, you know, NHL has plenty of problems with, (laughs) racism right now as it is you know i mean i'm not trying to make light of it necessarily but just like it's bad enough as it is right now and i think that you know they couldn't allow not the not that the league had to step in here but like if if this kid had just been allowed to enter the league no problem i feel yeah i mean uh, i think we could say like even like i don't know four five years ago as sad as it is to say but like I think this could have been like that's terrible this kid's an asshole can't believe it and then they would have been what Arizona essentially said they were going to try and do was like we knew about this but we were like we're we're essentially going to fix some bunnies with our team or whatever um and that would have been that but given everything that's happened especially in the last year um with bullying and racism and all that stuff across sports and especially in hockey yeah I think I agree there's just like there's no way that they could have been like, well, we'll you know, we'll try and figure it out. It's like, uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Not this it's, year. Just, it's so weird to me too. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, as I was, I was going on a complete tangent. I was like, there's a, there's a Michael Bay movie that's coming out. 
Uh -huh. It literally is about like COVID-24, a fictionalized COVID that metamorphosizes into like something very deadly. Anyways, it was that very explains. on the nose. I was uh -huh. very on the nose and I was like, this is kind of uncomfortable to watch because this seems too close to home. And my point being like, very much like this, it's like, I don't think you can have something that involves racism and bullying in the media, in the, NH in the NHL and be like, well, you know, what are we going to do about that? It's like, uh, we just had like five months of conversation about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, yeah, I mean, all I was going to say is the weird thing to me is it shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't. But the mm -hmm. fact that this kid is a third round pick, it's so weird to me. Like if you knew that, if you knew about this, which I mean, they knew what's the coyote story, basically that they knew something, but didn't know the depths or, you know, sort of yeah, yeah. usual sort of excuse making of not doing your legwork and figuring it out before the fact. Um, why, why, why do you take a third round pick? You know, another first pick of the draft. Yeah, well, true, but like, <laughs> no, I know, but I just mean like that was your like, you're like, this will be it, this will be the mark, you know, this whenever you have that late of a round pick, that's kind of like your first round pick, you know, we got to make uh, this one count. I like, and that was it, yeah, and maybe especially, yeah, especially because of that. Like, if it had been, I don't know, the senators who had like 12 picks in the first two rounds, I think they would have cut this guy. I mean, they never would have drafted him probably, but they would have cut him immediately as soon as like the first whisper, cause who cares, you know? But like, mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know. It just sucks. It sucks all over. It sucks. Like you said, I think, I think a, a really good point that, you know, Isaiah is the real victim here. Um, the coyotes certainly are not a victim except of their own stupidity <laughs> and fallibility. And this kid so yeah. is not a victim you know, he's an asshole and you can be an asshole in 14 years. I, I was 14 years old and I knew a lot of assholes once. So, you yeah. know, I probably was one myself. 14 year olds tend uh, to be pretty high on the assholes. <laughs> yeah. actually. Like that's so, where like, most of them live. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's again, it's not that it's not that what he it's not that what he did, you know, he should just be like condemned to be suffer for it the rest of his life but he's got to show remorse and he's got to grow and he's got to overcome it. And if he's not going to do that, I don't think the coyotes can let him be a part of their franchise forever, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I feel like we've said enough about that, um, story, but you know, it's just, it sucks. Obviously every part of it sucks, but the biggest part of it is that the original thing should never have happened. And if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't be here. You know, this is mm -hmm. this is obviously well beyond, you know, the the kind of more typical cancel culture story where like a guy sends a couple of, of joking racist texts to his 14-year-old friends that come to light, you know, come to light years later. Like that is bad, but like I kind of understand why people think, well, your life shouldn't be ruined for this. But like this situation is obviously well beyond that. That's just kind of um I think the coyotes did the right thing. So, mm -hmm. Agreed. That's what, and also the coyotes, you know, howling at moons, uh, Halloween, we're right back on track. So, you know, that uh, is frightening. <laughs> these all, these are all like really on point. Like I got to get a really awful one here. Um, the coyote is with that great decision might be coming out of the cemetery. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, there we go.
yeah, that's a team going to be high on our misery index when we do. God, um, that team was like, it's just sputtered. They were up and yeah. then it was just like, oh, whoops. And then right back then. How did they uh, get involved in such a heinous scouting fraud uh, ring and not get any better than they were? You know? <laughs> that's, that's always the funny part. It's like, so that was shit too, huh? To the Astros' credit, at least they won the World Series, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, Coyotes. Maybe take a page from their book. Uh, Mike Emmerich, Doc Emmerich, has uh, announced his retirement. I don't think this is a, a huge surprise, especially in a COVID world, that he doesn't want to mm. be traveling the country calling games or, or you know, broadcasting them from his home like he was in the uh, bubble. Um uh, effectually known as Doc for his doctorate in communications, Emmerich 74 has been the preeminent voice of NHL games on NBC and NBC Sports for 15 years. He served as the play-by-play announcer for the New Jersey Devils for 21 seasons. Emmerich's resume includes calling 22 Stanley Cup finals and winning eight sports Emmy awards for play-by-play, including seven straight from 2014 to 2020. He had stints at ESPN and ABC as well as Fox and CBS and at six Olympic Winter Games. After calling an estimated 3,750 games during his career, Emmerich will continue to write and narrate video essays as part of NBC Sports NHL coverage. Um, you know, obviously a legend. Uh, I've, I've poked fun at Doc Emmerich in the past lovingly because of his, you know, kind of rambly uh uh long form way of of doing things like saying the score and things like that but obviously uh an incredible career incredible calls during the uh, uh blues stanley cup run of which you know i imagine we'll play a couple at some point Ruby had taken over in November and lost the first game 4-1 to to Nashville. Got routed by the Jets 8-4. to Arizona hammered them in December 6-1 to and then came that new year. And shortly after the new year, the goalie came in, started his first NHL game. They had a defense that would wind up in double digits and shot blocking all the time. They wound up with an 11-game win streak. And things started to become sort of remarkable as they rose in the standings. Trickled back along and it's taken by Krug in the last 35. Sent on back to Krejci, then Marshawn the shot that flew wide. Krug comes back in again and this one popped wide of the glove hand to Bennington. In traffic, reaching for it, Krejci and it pops on back to center and Marshawn yet again. Marshawn spun it back in, Bennington able to kick it free and caught up for this stick blade. It's rattled on around and Krug up with it and the Blues at the bench are real But uh, thoughts on Doc Emmerich and where we go from here. I think Pierre is the main uh, play-by-play guy is obviously the right call. Oh, God, no. (laughs) That would be revolting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wonder. I guess is it going to be – I wonder if it's going to be – oh, God, what's that guy's name? Um, The guy used to be Carolina's – 
or Kenny Albert too, or Carolina's guy that's always on there now, John Forslund. Um, yeah. He might be the dude, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's Kelly. I don't it's, want him to, but that'd be cool. Yeah. It's kind of sad to see Dak go, you know, cause I think we were both, we both enjoyed him, but it was so, sort of also one of those, you know, poke fun at him where just like, yeah, man, these are, these are crazy words to use to describe <laughs> hockey, but, um, and it's hard it's hard to know the impact at least personally he had on like a casual fan just because mm-hmm. I, I don't know as many casual hockey fans I know a lot of hardcore hockey fans. And then I know a lot of people don't watch hockey period. So, but yeah. I, I would think he would appeal um, highly to, to casual fans just because he's, he was very energetic and he was just a character. And it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm watching hockey. And also this dude's like nuts. <laughs> I mean, just uh-huh. listening to him where it's like, wow, this is, you know, this just feels different. And I think he was a really good uh, ambassador to the sport and, and still is. And it'll be, it'll be sad to not hear him anymore because he really did turn into like the voice of national hockey um, for the better part of a decade, you know, more than a decade. And it'll be, it'll be sad to see him go. I'm glad he's still going to be around uh, and taking the route of like the partial retirement to be like 80% retired, but we'll still have like, little bits here and there on NBC um it's crazy to think that prior to even being on NBC he like was did so many games for the Devils for mm-hmm. forever I always forget that and then I realize when I see him talking anything about the Devils or like Marty Broder I'm like man this dude loves Marty Broder I'm like oh yeah you were a Devils guy um but yeah it's it's it'll, it'll be sad to see him Marty Broder as much as his wife's sister though you know oh uh, uncle daddy <laughs> got him uh yeah <laughs> But yeah, no, I it is it is crazy to think of how long and impressive his career has been. Mm-hmm. I uh, I I'd like to see Darren Pang do more NBC games, but also it makes me sad when I realize he has to be kind of like impartial, even when it's like a Blues on NBC. I don't know if they do that very mm-hmm. often, but I, he has on occasion, and I'm always like, oh, don't steal our boy from us. Yeah, seriously. He's, uh, he's our perfect little angel. We can't lose him. Mm-hmm. I love him. I love Darren Pang. It's true. Um, Joe Thornton, uh, a man who probably should have retired, but has not, <laughs> uh, signing a one-year deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs at 41 years old. He scored 31 points, seven of them goals in 70 games with the San Jose Sharks last season, his 15th with the team. Uh, though Thornton said the Sharks general manager Doug Wilson wanted him to remain in San Jose, the window the Maple Leafs have for him to win the Stanley Cup does not exist uh, <laughs> for the first time and moving his children closer to his parents went into the decision to continue his NHL career in Toronto. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll let you make the other point you made in the notes here, but just uh, an interesting decision, not a, not a shocker. I think this has been kind of percolating, but I think, uh, I don't know, man. I just don't think, I don't really believe the Leafs are contenders. I don't know. What are uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I was like, welcome to the, the part of the podcast where you roast the Leafs. Yeah. Um, we haven't done it enough recently, but yeah. we to. I mean, folks, if you pay attention, if you, if, well, I'm going to let you in a little secret. <laughs> pay attention to the, to hockey outside of the Blues. It is Toronto all the time, all day, all the time. If you're plugged in at all to anything Canada, it's Toronto all the time, um, and it's annoying. But so they got Wayne Simmons, 
they got Joe Thornton. They got signed them both to like one year deals. And Wayne Simmons making like one point five million, something like that. But they signed them. They signed both of them for nothing. So that's that's good for them. That's very very low low risk. Mm-hmm. But what I wonder is, especially with Joe Thornton, um, there's like two scenarios. So neither of the scenarios neither of these scenarios involve the Maple Leafs winning the cup because they're not gonna. But scenario one, they make the playoffs, they win in the first round, they make it to the second round for the first time since like 2004 or something, I think. Mm. Um, shit, maybe they make it to the third round, I don't know. Um, great, fantastic. These two obviously played some sort of part in it, you know, the Thornton and, and Simmons, mm-hmm. whether it's leadership, whether it's them actually producing at a, a decent rate for being older guys, cool, great. Um, okay, so now it's 2022. Are you re-signing them? Nah. like your joe thornton's done like yeah. especially if he makes any sort of like deep run quote unquote into the into the playoffs he's done dude's done uh wayne simmons maybe maybe you re-sign him again or i'm sure they do something weird like a two-year deal where it's like no it should be one a year by year by year and they're like no we're signing for three um <laughs> something stupid like that so yeah. that's that's scenario one and it's like okay i don't know that this is sustainable you're going to now lose your leadership and then you're going to hope that everyone just learned from that, which they could, <laughs> which they could, yeah. but you're just going to hope they carry that on. It seem, seems like a lot to um, put all your hopes on for this team that like has to win. And then your second scenario, and more likely one, I guess, given the history of this team, is they might they either miss the playoffs or they make the playoffs and they get bounced in the first round and these guys did nothing for you, which I think is, I got to tell you, if they make the playoffs and go further in the first round, they've bought themselves like a year or something mm-hmm. easily, obviously. If they lose in the first round or obviously or miss the playoffs with these two added, like what now? You've tried everything. Have they not yeah. tried everything? This is like to me, this feels like, and I'm sure they'll they'll gussy it up into some other excuse. This feels like the la- the last thing they can try, other than having like a legit um righty or lefty or whoever to play with Morgan Riley. Um, they've tried everything and it's not working with the score. Um, and the, to me, if I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, that, that sounds like if I want to keep the score together and I don't want to move, this is scary. This is very scary. This is the like we put in veteran, we put in real veteran leaders that can actually potentially both lead and score and stuff. Unlike John Tavares, who just scores apparently. Um, even though he's your captain, whatever. Um, I don't know what I don't know what they do for you. I hope you you better hope they do something. You better hope this team's good this year. <laughs> I mean, I know that was already the case, but you know what I mean. That feels like they put a pin in it, and they're like, "Well, don't worry. We've got Wayne Simmons. We've got Joe Thornton. This will work. And if it doesn't work, what? And by what yeah. I mean, when will you be trading one of these core pieces? Yeah, I mean that's the thing here. I think you're saying. I think you're putting it so well because it's like this is your last move this is you and it's so weird because like listen I the last thing in the world I wanted was for them to just get Alex Petrangelo right like I was so sick of that narrative mm-hmm. and you know of course we've seen all the all the Maple Leaf fans now saying well we never wanted Alex Petrangelo I don't know what you're talking about you know these are these are the exact moves because whatever Kyle Dubas does are the right moves, but like I don't know if TJ Brody, that's his name, right? I didn't make yeah. that up. <laughs> 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 Brody, just ever say a name and it's like that didn't sound right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
does he move the needle for that team? And he's like their biggest signing. Um, I just don't. That's a team to me that is not a. It's a playoff caliber team, obviously. Freddie Anderson's not been as good lately as he was, and is in the final year of his contract. Right? They're not mm-hmm. re-signing him. Obviously, they'd already have done that. So, what's your point long term there? Because you know you can't you can't manufacture a a goalie out of nothing. You know, a long term goalie solution. I mean, you can. I don't know. You could have traded for Matt Murray. You didn't. You could trade for a lot of people, but it's that seems like a big looming disaster. And yeah, like you said, like okay, you bought leadership, which is a problem because like you, you're the players you're paying seven, eight figures to should be your leaders, right? Like I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, I, I don't know if if John if you didn't buy leadership when you bought precious frickin' John Tavares. I don't know what what we're doing here. I don't. I literally don't know what we're doing here. If you didn't, if that's not what he provided, mm-hmm. uh, then why is he there? You know, why'd you pay? I don't remember how much eight point five nine million dollars for him. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And yeah, I mean, like, I, listen, I love Wayne Simmons. I'm glad he gets to play near yeah. him. Um, yeah. Joe Thornton's a scumbag and will always be a scumbag. <laughs> But like, you know, good for him to try and, you know, pursue his futile dreams nearer to his parents too. Uh, the parents that spawn the spawn of Satan. But, you know, no no big deal. Uh, John Tavares, $11 million, by the way. And he's a 30-year-old captain, a former first overall pick. Like, why do you need outside leadership? You know, why do you need somebody to give these guys the hunger? Why don't they have the hunger? The problem is, I, I use this analogy all the time. I used it with the Blues a lot. I ended up being wrong about the Blues. Uh, but the problem is the soup. The soup's already bad. You can't add ingredients to the soup and save it. You need a new soup, you know? And like, I just don't, it doesn't make any sense to me that they're going to bring in Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza and Jimmy VC and Wayne Simmons, and suddenly the problem's going to be solved, you know? But don't forget Zach Bogosian. He just won the cup. Oh, yeah, Zach Bogosian, baby. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like they've added a lot to this team. I give them credit for, like, not being comfortable with the mix they had mm-hmm. and not settling for – um you know, what they ended with last season. Good for them. Good for Kyle Dubas. The problem is this team has to win from the top because it has 32, 38 million, $40 million locked up in their top four forwards. So you get, that's who's got to win stuff for you. And if they can't do it, it doesn't matter if you bring in Joe Thornton or, Freaking uh, Gordy Howe, you know, <laughs> if Gordy Howe was 43 and playing in the league and you brought him in, he's not going to save this team because those four guys need to be the difference. Austin Matthews, a phenomenal player. I will be, I'll be the hot take artist and say, I'm not sure that dude has it between the ears, you know? I mean, not, and I'm not calling him dumb, but just like, I'm not sure that dude has the mental drive to go out 
and succeed in this league and win in that market, you know? I'm not sure he's not more of a Phil Kessel type where it's like he needs to be led instead of, of being the main player, which is fine, except you're paying him $11.6 million, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and Mitch Marner, I think, is phenomenal, but he's not a he's not an anchor for your team. I mean, they paid him $10 million, almost $11 million, and he was worth it by points, but he wasn't that, you know, never should have paid him that much i just i just think they're a team that's you know kind of hurtling over the cliff and and joe thornton is like their attempt to kind of grab onto a branch and maybe it'll hold for a second but it's old and its bones are brittle and it'll snap in half eventually and so um i just think this is kind of your like last like you know i don't know i'm not saying kyle dubas is fired after this season or anything but i think it's kind of his last kind of throw his hands up in the sky and and hope because you know originally it was like well we need some mentor to to save uh these guys so we're bringing in john Tavares. he's the feel-good story is the last piece of the puzzle and that's what we need and then it's like okay well we need to get these contracts done we need to get these guys long-term security and once they have that then they can play on burden and that's the last piece of the puzzle we need. And then it was like, you know, okay, we need Jake Muslin. That's the last piece of the puzzle. And then it was like, you know, okay, we need whoever. And that's the last piece of the puzzle. We need to fire Babcock and hire Sheldon Keith. And that'll be the last piece of the puzzle. And we haven't gotten any closer, you know? That's the thing too. It's like, it's not like they've slowly, it's not like they were the Blues for a long time. And we're like, okay, we won, you know, we we fought real hard in the first round this year and lost. And then we, then we got through the first round this year and then got creamed in the second round, you know, and then we, then we got to the second round and, and put up a better fight. And then like we got to the Western conference final eventually, you know, we haven't seen any of that. They've gotten creamed and creamed and creamed. And this year they didn't even get to the first round. So it's just, to me, it's just a team that is not very close but has to pretend that they're close because of the money that they're spending and the media environment that they're in. And this is kind of the desperation move to try and pretend that they're just one cog away and that that one cog is Joe Thornton, who, by the way, if he was the missing ingredient in a Stanley Cup team, wouldn't the Sharks have won a Stanley Cup in the last 48 years? <laughs> um, it's just, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't get why you bring in two guys who have never won a Stanley Cup between them to be the missing ingredient in your Stanley Cup team, you know? I mean, you should have brought in another Jason Spezza, if, you know, because I think Jason Spezza, while I don't think he also hasn't won a Stanley Cup, I don't think, is a better player than either of those two guys, even at this point in his career, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, Did, Didn't they take the C from Joe Thornton? Uh, in in uh, San, San Jose? Jose? Yeah, they did and gave it to I know it was a while back. Juicy and... Couture. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he, uh, I was looking at Joe Thornton's stats as I was like, man, is he even a playoff performer? And apparently he is in 179 playoff games. He's had 133 points, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. He's also, he's also a minus 32, which is kind of funny. Jeez, that's hilarious. I would think of him as like a defensive guy too. It's nothing. I mean, it's really, I, I independently dislike Joe Thornton, but it's really nothing against him. Mm-hmm. I just just don't think he's like the ingredient. I think Joe Thornton honestly is one of the most overhyped players in NHL history. I feel like just because like the dude has never gotten it done. Has he ever won like a big individual award? 
He um a selkie something maybe maybe one heart I don't know okay he won a heart trophy he won a heart yeah oh he I won see. a heart I trophy see. the year he was traded yeah I you, see you looked and thought he'd won three too I was like what uh, the fuck? <laughs> I was like dude did you know Joe Thornton's like a goddamn legend <laughs> okay I got it I got it so I mean yeah he's, listen it's I'm now I'm just turning into hate on Joe Thornton time it's not that. He's obviously a phenomenal player. He's obviously a future Hall of Famer. But he's not adding that much to your team at this point in his career. Yeah, um, it's just I, it's funny to me because they've talked on like Steve Dangle and stuff. And it's not those guys saying this, but I, I think it was maybe it might have been one of their other guys. It might have been like Chris Johnson or it might have been um, the the Habs reporter they had on that I can't remember his name, Eric Ankles. Yeah. Um and they were talking about, yeah, I think Joe Thornton might play up the lineup. I think he's going to start like as like the second line center or something or a, or a winger maybe is what it was more specifically, I guess. Yeah. And it was like, and to me, I was like, what is happening? No, no. Like, I don't, I haven't watched that many Sharks games, but like, I do not think they were playing him there and they're bad. Like this dude, this guy should be like depth chart wise, like your third line center, like a tops. And then ideally, maybe your fourth line center that you end up like rolling out, you know, the fourth line more often, you know, kind of do that balanced attack and everything, um, which I can't wait for them to try to do. And then everyone would be really pissed off because uh, they tried to do that with Babcock and they didn't like that either. So it's like, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. But like, I just, he, f- he fits on that team in a bottom six role, sure. But I think even though the people we listen to that cover Toronto have sort of tempered their expectations about him. Obviously they showed he's 41. Um, I still think there's going to be people up there that are upset when he gets like, you know, 30 points. They're going to be like, Joe, what? you're not helping. And it's like, yeah, dude, he's, he's 41 year old Joe Thornton. He's still, like yeah. you said, still very good for 41, much better than some players that are like 30, but it's like, that's not, this guy's here to maybe help gel your team a little bit more, but like, it's well, not going to be on ice. It's not, yeah, this is not, this is not a player that would be in the NHL if his name wasn't Joe Thornton, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. fine. His name is Joe Thornton. I get it. But like, let's not pretend he's going to change your makeup on the ice. It's an entirely locker room move and that's fine. But like your locker room needed it. You know, how often do you see them, that story where they bring in the one guy that like fixes the locker room, you know? It's like, I don't know, last year the Blues did it kind of maybe with Craig Berube, but even then he still needed Jordan Bennington uh, to to really make the difference. So it's just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Best of luck. <laughs> yeah, best of luck to the Maple Leafs, really, genuinely. Then They're all Canadian division, where they're probably like the third or fourth best Canadian team right now. That team should... is a scream. Oh, yes. And the Chicago Blackhawks have uh, screaming players. Um, <laughs> the, uh, this has just been delightful to watch, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. This, is, this uh, has been enjoyable. Very good. Great entertainment. <laughs> when uh, they parted ways with Corey Crawford in free agency, was there another player they let go? Oh, they traded Brendan Saad mm-hmm. uh, to the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Jonathan Taves, who is an asswipe, uh, but is also the most interesting man in hockey. 
I love how uh, because he's kind of a dick and speaks publicly about things he shouldn't speak publicly about. He's a he's fascinating in hockey terms. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Jeff Merrick can't get enough Jonathan. Oh, James. Jeff Merrick would slob that dude's knob so fast. <laughs> Put Jamie Ben to shame. Um, this is a quote from uh, Stan Bowman. No, this is a quote from their uh, their official. But this is like a New York Rangers letter, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh baby, I hadn't even read this. All right. Except uh, they pulled the, the Rangers pulled the shoot early and everyone was impressed and the Blackhawks yeah. were pulling the shoot late and everyone's like oh no they're gonna hit the ground <laughs> um, from the desk of the Chicago Blackhawks we recently said goodbye to a pair of popular two-time champions and acquired some new players via trade and free agency we understand it was tough to see those respective veterans go and realize you may have some questions about our direction we'd like to address that direction and share why we're hopeful for the future of Blackhawks hockey we're committed to developing young players and rebuilding our roster. We want more than another window to win. We want to reach the summit again and stay there. An effort that will require a stockpile of emerging talent to complement our top players. The influx of youth and their progression will provide roster flexibility and depth throughout our lineup. We were already the youngest team in the 2020 playoffs and several Blackhawks experienced that intensity for the first time. This will help to further establish a culture that embraces the grind of improvement driven by competitors who are relentless, engaged and motivated, no Oxford comma, by a team first mentality to win. As our young players develop and learn how to win consistently, they'll make some mistakes. Inevitably, we'll miss the mark sometimes too. Oh God, this paragraph should not have been in here, but we'll communicate <laughs> openly with you on this journey together. Oh, brutal. We know that what comes next must be more than just words and that inspires us. That's a gibberish sentence, the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, this is a... Uh, D minus. D minus minus. That's like a 61. That's a that's a grade where the kid deserved to fail, but you personally don't like the kid, so you give him the lowest possible passing grade so you don't ever have to see him again. You know yeah, the gen the gentleman's F. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's bring up the Chicago Blackhawks cat friendly, shall we? You know what they should do if they're if they're real uh, really uh, committed to rebuilding, uh, trade Dominic Kubalik because that dude's already twenty five. He's never going to be as good as he was last year. Cash in, folks. <laughs> Alex DeBrincat's twenty two. That's great. Trade his ass. I mean, like here's the thing. One of my least favorite things in sports. Analyzing this dispassionately. If I'm not. Of what you know, if I don't hate the Blackhawks for the Blackhawks' sake, I hope they suffer and I hope this is brutal and terrible. But, um, for like sports' sake, one of my least favorite things is watching teams that cannot commit to a rebuild. And I realize they just come, came out and publicly said this, but they're not going to commit, they're not going to do the things you need to do to actually commit to this, which would involve trading Patrick Kane for a, a mint you know because they still can't i know i know that it's it's 10 million dollars in a cap strapped era but that dude is patrick kane you know like i don't love patrick kane but the dude is patrick kane um jonathan taves probably you're not going to trade him because he means more to you than he would mean to anyone else at 10.5 million dollars but like if you're gonna do it be a man and do it um they're not gonna do it 
they're just gonna they're just making an excuse for why they're gonna suck for a few years, but they're not gonna you know confidently build for the future. And by the way, they sucked for a few years before this, and they haven't confidently built built for the future. So I don't know why this is suddenly going to change. The Blackhawks also deserve to be fairly high on our misery index preview number two. You know, so uh, thoughts on this uh, this announcement? Yeah, it's just that's yeah, I agree. It's, they said one thing, and they're going to do another thing. I fully, I don't believe like the the Rangers committed when the Rangers are like we're done here. They were done. They sold off assets. They went for the high draft picks. They're like, we're going to suck next year. And they did for the last at least two years. And then they kind of rebuilt rather quickly um, and are looking a lot better now. I don't think even what a frozen lottery ball will do for you. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think even if the Blackhawks commit to a rebuild, they'll be that much better that fast. But again, Uh if they could try while they still have these two guys on these, on these contracts before they possibly walk, um, but yeah, it's like, if you're going to really commit to, to rebuilding, I do kind of understand keeping some of your veteran guys because you want people to learn from and yada, yada. You don't want to just have nothing but children there. But yeah. to me, it feels like the one person you can move super easy or easier, I should say, compared to the other two is Duncan Keith. Like, I know mm-hmm. it's 5.5 million. I know he's 37. Oh my God, that's three more years. Oh, <laughs> um, you know, give it to a team that's willing to do a buyout, you know, has some, has some buyout potential. But, and honest, honestly though, if you're like the Blackhawks and you have some cap space and you just need, you need to start the rebuild, kick it off, like retain a million or something. You know what I mean? Like dude, you can, you can or easily two. sweeten that. Yeah. Yeah. I just Some team would take Duncan Keith off your hands. Oh yeah, yeah. And oh, give um, you an asset. <laughs> yeah, you know, Jim Rutherford would do that in a heartbeat. Oh, Jim Rutherford would be all over that. Oh, Had God, to be only Mata or Duncan Keith, and it was Duncan Keith, baby. Oh man, what a mishmat! What a, speaking of a team that needs to, well, I won't go too far, but speaking of a team that technically <laughs> needs to rebuild, but like can't uh-huh. rebuild because they have yeah. Sidney Crosby and fucking uh, Evgeny Malkin, like good lord. <laughs> oh, oh yeah good, for my sure. goodness um but anyways yeah i just i almost as much as jonathan taves is not the patrick kane you know is, is worse than patrick kane but pretty much everyone's worse than patrick kane when it comes to hockey. <laughs> so like that's not a big statement but it's yeah. like you know they compare those two as like oh these are our two guys but one's obviously way better than the other um I would One keep of them's John. got so much character, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's Patrick Kane. Um, <laughs> I, I would keep Jonathan Taves because he's your captain, and it seems like that's the guy that people can learn from and everything. And I would mm-hmm. trade Patrick Kane because you're going to get, like, a truckload for that dude. Yeah. You could, you could start a rebuild easy. That's, like, the easiest way. Because you cannot, you can, you don't have to move him. You don't have to move him, so you can just wait. You can just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. It doesn't matter. And you could ask for like the moon and someone, maybe not in this, you know, in COVID times, which kind of sucks for them and everybody, but like someone's going to give you that. Someone's going to give you a first rounder and like their best current player and like their best prospect or whatever. And you're like, okay, or more, you know, I just, I think you get so much more for Patrick Kane. And as much as he's helping you, you know, he's the person that's helping you the most. He's your team's MVP. Um, He still was going to hit hundred points this year they were also like the 23rd place team with him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he's helping you 
but he's also not doing enough. If he was pushing you in the playoffs, maybe keep him, but he's not. And that's fair because everyone else on your team isn't that good. And then just commit to, yeah, commit to falling those additional four spots or five spots, you know, when you move them, just like now we get a, a boatload for them and we're bad and we'll get picks for that. It just seems like. Tell me that the, that the Blue Jackets won't give you a first mm-hmm. and like Zach Warinsky and a decent prospect for Patrick Kane, especially if you eat like two million a season, you know, mm-hmm. you could do it, it. 8.5. Or whatever. It's just like, it's one of those things too, where like if you hold on to these guys, I get you kind of have you always have a shot, but are you really going to be that much better in the next year, two, three years? No, no, they're not. Like they're, you can't... this team is loaning Kirby Doc to the to World Juniors Canada. They do not think that they're competitive this season. I realize World Juniors maybe you know, wrapped up before there's an NHL season, but you're not taking that injury risk if you think that he's like a centerpiece of your young team, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you just have just, conflicting they, views here. It's just too, yeah. I just wonder, there's going to be another shoe. To me, this oh, is yeah. like, this is 20, or will be 2021, but it's this is 2020. Like, something is the going to break team. here. Yeah, we're yeah. just like, I don't know. You can't have Stan Bowman going, this is a rebuild, and then have Jonathan Taves being like, I don't accept this as a rebuild. Um, either he has to, either he has to, Stan Bowman's not giving in. We'll put it that way. Stan Bowman's not changing his direction as far as, right. you know, this is what they've committed to. So either Jonathan Taves is to get on board and be like, we're on a rebuild and we'll just try our best, or, some, or someone's going to get moved. I mean, they moved, God, the, the goalie situation is terrible. The Jonathan, it's a fucking joke. Yeah, Jonathan, open your eyes. Don't yeah. be stupid. I mean, Malcolm Subban and who? Colin D'Elia? Yeah. Didn't he get canceled for the joke he made or tweet? Oh, oh that's did he? Oh. That's no. oh. <laughs> Never mind. Just kidding. Um, he, did he play like one NHL game, I think, last year? Like, I yeah, he was terrible. It's a joke. It's a joke. That, that goaltending is. I confidently would say by far the worst tandem we've seen in five or six years. I mean, it's not even close. It's that makes uh, fucking Jimmy Howard and Jonathan Bernier look like Dominic Hasek and Chris Osgood. That's a, that's a freaking that's a joke of a roster. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a literal joke. They're both the- 26 too. So you can't even say that they're young up and covers, you know, I we think know what they yeah. are and they're bad. I think folks that um, I don't think Chicago fans are fooled or anything, but I think folks outside of Chicago, they're like, I don't know. You know, I've seen dangle a few people like, I don't know. They could be, they could be kind of like sneaky good. And they're like, you know, they beat the Oilers and you know, well, a, the Oilers were under, were way underperforming and that's a whole nother ball wax. But two, also the Blackhawks weren't even going to be in the fucking playoffs period. Yeah. Yeah. And then they got, who'd they, who'd they face the next round? The first round. They got obliterated. I forget by Vegas, yeah, Vegas, right? Vegas, yeah, Vegas. Yeah, they got they got fucking curb stomped. Like <laughs> it's like not even close. I look at these guys and I'm like that could be a good player. That could be a good player. And that's the thing is like the fact that everyone's like that could be a good player is like yeah. And that like I just look at their team and it's the most other than Patrick Kane and John Taves, like forward wise, it's the most one dimensional team I could possibly think of. 
like are I'm sure they're all very different. I'm sure they have like, their different little quirks, but like Alex Nylander, Kirby Doc, um, Dominic Kubelik, these Matias Yanmark, these I know they're not the same guy, but they're like the same guy. <laughs> Dylan Strom, Matthew Highmore, uh, man, these guys are young and they can do stuff. You know, it's like cool. Like they just they don't. This to me looks like the Detroit Red Wings when they still had like a year of Pavel Datsuk and like Henrik Zetterberg, but like everyone around them sucked and they were still trying to tell you, I don't know. And like, with all respect to like Gustav Nyquist and like Thomas Tatar, but it's like, they were like, you know, those guys, those are kind of like our next guys they are pretty good. And then nothing happened. Yeah. That's to me, this team when they're like, I don't know. Dominic Kubelik. I'm like, okay, and? And it's just like, oh, that's all we had. I mean, that's, there's no, there's no hope for this team to be even close to relevant. And the sad thing is, I don't think they're bad enough to actually, like, get a first overall pick. And even if they do, this isn't a year where that's supposed to matter a ton, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. this is more of a, more of a Ryan Nugent Hopkins year where they're like four or five guys that could all go first and who knows the OHL isn't even allowing body checking as we'll talk about in a minute so like who knows but Mm -hmm. just I mean great great I love it because they suck but (laughs) um they'll be interesting I just think they're gonna be the bottom of this this uh division for a while now and I I think while that was going to be the case no matter what, I think just how quickly they got out of the basement was going to be obviously determined by what they decided to do with this rebuild and the fact that they're kind of like half rebuilding is just not going to work. Uh, this apparently Stan Bowman had a, a video conference with the big four um, after Taves' comment. And he said, we had a very good discussion, in-depth discussion about where we're going. I think part of this communication here is to clear up some miscommunications or perceptions. It's really not a rebuild in a sense of we're tearing this down and we're just getting rid of all the players. Sometimes you do have to make difficult decisions to trade away popular players, and it's hard for our veterans who have been together. It's certainly a difficult thing when you had to part ways with somebody who's been here and you spent so much time with. But in my conversations with our veteran players, I've tried to explain to them, much like I am to you, what we're trying to do. We're trying to build more depth to make it easier on them. I think it's a lot for a couple guys to try to carry the load and we need to build up a better supporting cast. So as much as it might be hard for them to understand, I think as we discussed it more and more and explained it, I think they understand what we're trying to accomplish. There's no way they do. Oh, that sounds... No way they do. That sounds really nasty, like boss boss talk. Yeah. Just like, yeah, 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 yeah. So you traded away Brendan Saad because, man, we really need that depth to help you out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking exactly, dude. That's such a, yeah. If we don't want it to be on three or four players. We want it to be on one or two players. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, a laugh a laughing stock that team that that situation and good for them OHL banning body checks in your thoughts quickly it's that's a tarantula um (laughs) that's the first thing i saw on this list um okay okay (laughs) i don't know go for it like i I have 
Sure. I, I understand that women's hockey doesn't allow body checks and never has. So, you know, I get it. I get it. That's fine. It's not like it's not hockey. Mm-hmm. At the same time, this is a league that's only real purpose. I know the OHL is important in historic, yada, yada, yada. But, like, its main purpose is to try and produce players who can play at the NHL level where they definitely do allow body checks. So, like, how are you supposed? How are scouts supposed to interpret this season? How are players supposed to play this season? Like, I just don't get it. You know? Yeah. It feels a lot like if you're in high school and they do like really lame, just kind of easy classes for you, and then you get uh to college and it's like these college courses, and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" And it's like, "This is college, bitch." Um, And it's like, (laughs) "What do you?" Yeah, you have to prepare them somehow for what they're getting into, especially if they get drafted and then they're just in the AHL, which is like even more physical. And just dudes, you know, trying to bang their way, (laughs) trying to bang their way into the NHL. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's like, okay, do you want to say it's for COVID purposes? I applaud them for trying to take COVID seriously and do something about it. I will tell you that these guys are going to be in corner scrums and just like trying to get the puck from each other within breathing distance of each other. So if you yeah. if you're very committed to being aware and taking precautions for COVID, then I'm going to say if you really want to be super or whatever, and I I don't want things canceled, then just don't play hockey because that's yeah. the best way to not spread it, but not the body yeah. checking thing. And I'm not against or- like. I'm not like a tough dude that's like, we got to have the check-in in the game. I can't believe it. But I'm just saying like, it just, it seems like a toothless thing to do. It's like, who cares? It's not going to make a difference. Yeah. And it's also like, we're, or we could admit that the statistics show that for athletes under 20, this is like not a risk at all, you know, which is not, I'm not saying COVID isn't a big deal. I'm not saying it's not very, very serious. It's not very, very serious though for like peak performance athletes in their teenage years you mm-hmm. know like so like I, I don't know it's like three and a hundred thousand or something of people under 20 that die from this thing so like again do if you if you're motivated to be super serious and take COVID super seriously that's great I applaud you but like you just said then don't have a season don't do this weird stuff where it's like, well, you know, I mean, but we've got to have the OHL because how could we not have the OHL? It's like he didn't last year, you know, for half of the year. He didn't have the playoffs. So it's just, and I don't want them to not have a season. I want them to not make this weird, ridiculous ruling, quite frankly. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, on the other end of the spectrum, the people who are like, you know, this is just a, a, a way for them to sissify our sport i that i also don't get uh there's a very obvious reason they're doing this even if i disagree with the decision you know it's not like they just up and decided to disallow body checking mm-hmm. but whatever uh tis what it is um we'll get we'll get through it i don't know uh the right now the q and the whl haven't uh done anything like this right so yeah just kind of weird Ontario politics, I guess, but um, such is life, I suppose. General manager uh, Doug Armstrong of the St. Louis Blues won't rule out another signing, but costs may be too high, according to Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletic. Uh, What do you think? Uh, Let's start with this question, the question that Jeremy Rutherford starts with. Do the Blues need another scoring forward? I, I tend to believe they do. Um, we've kind of talked about this last podcast, but it just seems like 
I don't know if you, I thought about this last night, thought about this last night, but I'm staring at the ceiling. Um, it depends on what kind of year you think this year is going to be for the Blues. If you think this year needs to be like our cup windows wide open, we need to go for the, we're going for the cup. We're top, I don't know, six contenders. You know, we're one of them. That's us this year. Then you need another scoring forward. You need to go out and get um, Mike Hoffman, uh, Mikel Granlund, somebody like that. You need, you just need more depth because you're missing Tarasenko. Um, you need that, I feel like. I think it's like a no-brainer. But if you're going to say that, hey, we're competing for the cup and we're being, you know, we're going to be very competitive this year, you know, obviously out to all the fans, you're going to say that and stuff. But internally, you're like, you know, this is a little bit more of a transition year for us just because we don't know what we have without Petrangelo. We don't quite know what we have with some of these young guys. That's fine. And I'll honestly, I'm more excited for a season like that because I'm just mm -hmm. interested in what this team's going to be. I think we've talked about it a lot. Um, and then I say, you know what? You don't need to go spend for that forward because because I don't want you to clog up the pipes for for Cairo or Costin or Thomas in a top six role. You know, don't get that guy because it's already going to be a problem when Tarasenko possibly comes back and bumps some of these guys down the down the roster. So it's like I'm a little more open to him not going out and getting a forward. I guess is what I'm trying to say. When before I thought we like had to have one. Um, especially given the fact that it seems like Tarasenko will come back at some point and then his LTIR money, you know, is back on the books. And so it's like, you got to make some sort of move to get cap, cap compliant again. So I'm okay without them getting a forward, especially because it sounds like maybe they would be slightly too pricey for the blues. They'll still probably be more cheap than any other year given the flat cap. But um, I guess, yeah, it's like, if, you don't think you need one then then cool i'd like to see what the young guys have to offer and it sounds like that's what armstrong kind of talked about in this jr article as well yeah um one one interesting thing here is that he calls robert thomas at one point a quote household name which feels like a stretch um he also said he'd be playing on the top line this rookie year with o'reilly and schwartz or whoever and i was like what's, what's happening yeah. If Thomas is the player that we believe he is, he needs to have an opportunity to have a bigger role. He's a household name, but there's a difference between playing in the NHL and being an impact player in the NHL. He's played in the NHL now for two years, and he has been an impact at a different blocks of times. Now he needs to be an impact player on a consistent basis, so that's a different challenge for him. Does he think that this Robert Thomas and the Matchbox 20 Robert Thomas are the <laughs> same person? Because that would make sense. Just his weird, um, his weird joke that doesn't come across in text. Yeah, I think uh, I think what you said is exactly right. Honestly, I think uh, if if you really are going to be competitive this year and really try and make a run for it, uh, sans Petrangelo, but with Falk in an expanded role with Krug with Thomas and and hopefully a returning Tarasenko and all that, that's fine. Then do it see what you have great if you're not though honestly you need you know i think they need to be in a position if they're not going to compete where they can even like trade some guys like schwartz um and some of the guys on expiring deals if they're not you know if they're really not if they're kind of in that ground they were when they traded stastny or shattenkirk where it's like look we know we're not contenders contenders we'll probably make the playoffs and be all right but mm -hmm. um you know, we'd like to be better for our future. Look at how big those those trades were for the team, too. You know, you got um, 
the first round pick in this in the um Stastny trade I forget what we did with that Bach that we took with that maybe I don't remember um or we trade no that was O'Reilly I think we traded for but anyway like those mm-hmm. trades really mattered for us um you know and I've said I've been an advocate for trading Schwartz now just because I don't I think you shouldn't resign him long term with his injury history and and uh you know I'd just rather you maximize value for him but I don't think they're going to do that all of that is to say though like you said, if, if it's a season where you're kind of trying to figure out what you are and maybe what pieces you need to build into a real contender, maybe figure out who Jordan Bennington is and if he's your long-term solution, there are a lot of questions about this team right now. And if, if you want to answer those questions with, okay, you know, let's see what we have here. Let's see what Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas uh, to a lesser extent, Clem Costin is, you know, maybe let's, Let's dip Scott Perunovich's toes in the water and see what he can provide and find out some of those questions and, and learn what you had to build around a little bit. See if Tarasenko can come back and stay healthy. Uh, I really have no problem with them not going out and getting a Mike Hoffman. The flip side of that coin is if, if a Mike Hoffman or a, uh, a Mikhail uh, Gramland, who is kind of another player I lo- I'm interested in them looking at, uh, can be had for a year, like a, a one year or even two year deal. Um, you know, it's, it's hard for me to justify not going out and getting them because it's obviously a need, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like it, you, you're not even, you can't even argue it's a luxury. Your top scoring winger uh, is on the IR and your top scoring defenseman for the last like five years just left the team. So you're obviously going to need to find scoring. Uh, you hope Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas and people will take a step and provide some of that. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's, I'm a little torn uh, because um, it just feels like we're kind of stuck in the middle and similar to the Blackhawks situation, although obviously nowhere near as dire, I just like him to pick a direction a little bit more, you know, I'm like, I'm starting to confidently say like, okay, no, we're contending this year. I'm going to go get Mike Hoffman or, okay, no, we're not contending this year. I'm going to trade, you know, whoever, you know, Jaden Schwartz is just the name that comes into my head, but like, seems like we're not going to do either of those. And that's fine. We just won a cup. I get it. I'm not, I'm not upset with anything really. Um, but this is a year where a ton of salary cap space is coming off uh, after the year. You've got Billy Huso, who you're probably trying to see what he is. Um, you know, you've got Colton Pareko coming up in a year. You need to figure out if he's a centerpiece that you extend forever or not. Um, you know, you've got Vince Dunn as an RFA, Robert Thomas is RFA next year. So you've got to figure out if he's like a, you know, an eight year, eight million guy or like a, three or five million guy or what sort of deal he is there's just a lot of questions here and I think you know it's probably best to try and answer them um you know cautiously um but you know figure out what your direction is and you got to remember that the uh expansion draft is after this year too so if, if you sign another forward either you can sign them but you know you could potentially sign a Mike Hoffman specifically with the idea of exposing him um or uh you know you can sign uh or you can not sign him and just try and protect the players you have so that's another hurdle uh to think about in all of that so 
Uh, Gundu, how do you, do you think he adds uh, one of these, one of these Mike Hoffman, Gramland, uh, Anthony Duclair, Carl Soderbergh, Corey Perry types, or do you think he stands pat and enters the season uh, uh, as is? Man, I think if we, uh, oddly enough, I think if we have less question marks, which seems like the opposite, um, but if we have less question marks from all the ones he brought up, I think maybe he would actually do the weird uh, late, late off-season Doug Armstrong move where he's like, yoink, got one. And you're like, oh, wow, I didn't really know we were going for Anthony Duclair or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with so many question marks that we we would want answered that I think he would want answered, I think he doesn't want to he doesn't want to postpone any of those, if you will. He doesn't want to say, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll figure that out later. Or at least I wouldn't want it that way. I think I'm really... I'm really into this whole this whole like let's let's figure some shit out this season to like you said sort of figure out what we need to become a cup contender again um and there's just a lot you I mean you look at this I think people get mistaken I mean even myself looking at this team and we've talked about it a lot too where you look at this team and you go oh this is pretty much the same team that won the cup or like oh this is you know same old blues and it's like no man it is not and that's yeah. not that's not bad or necessarily, but it's just like there's more that has changed on this team and more question marks than you think. And we got to figure out what those things are. Like your top six is essentially the same. But even then, not completely, because without Tarasenko and you had Robert Thomas in the mix, let's see how that goes. So you already, even, even at the highest high, you don't really know what you have. And again, like we've said before, we've talked about, it's um, Petrangelo is gone. So that's like your number one player is gone. So what do we do now? So it's mm-hmm. sort of, there is a, there's a lot that has changed. And I think you just need to have a season where I'm, I'm sure they'll make the playoffs. You just don't know, you know, how soundly, or if they're going to be a heater, or they're going to be up and down team. We'll just have to see. And I am kind of excited for that because it just, it gives us a little bit more unknown. Um, part of me is a little happy that Petrangelo left just because I think when you have Petrangelo here, you kind of know what you're going to get, which isn't bad. It was a good team, but it was like, you just kind of knew what the blues were going to sort of be for the next mm-hmm. however long. And I think without them and with these changes, you're kind of like, Oh, I have no idea. This feels a lot more like the, I don't know, a lot more like the, what is that? 16, 17 team. Hopefully it's not the 16, yeah. 17 team, but it feels <laughs> a lot more like that team where it's like, shit, I don't know. Half those teams are gone. Um, yeah, and I think this team is is as much or more different between, um, you know, 16, 17, 17, 18, and the Cup uh, as between now and now in the Cup. You know, I think that mm-hmm. the team changed as much or more over this period than it did over that period. So I think, like you said, it's kind of silly to sit here and say, well, it's pretty much the same team. Like, it's, it's really substantially not. The forward core, ha- core hasn't... <laughs> Kyle Clifford's a St. Louis boy. Yes. (laughs) But, you know, the forward core hasn't substantially changed as much, uh, but the defense is completely different. The goaltenders, you know, you have two goaltenders here you did not have uh, entering the cup season. Um, Tarasenko's on IR. Steen is probably done, you know, for his career. That seems to be kind of the, you know, the rumor in the the bushes. and, And, you know, Armstrong basically said, I don't want to talk about it, but we all don't think he'll be ready for the year, including him. So like, you know, sounds like it's not, not exactly cheery, happy news. So it's just a lot. And, and I think it's, it makes sense to kind of see what you have, but at the same time, 
uh, you know, it's it's kind of the the play it safe way too with with money, and that's that's fine. If if Tom Stillman wants to save some money now and use it, you know, when fans are going to come back, that's fine. I get it. It's great. Uh, and it is Halloween, um, and I think it's only appropriate that we close by comparing uh, a series of NHL teams to Halloween candy. Perhaps a little bit of a of a preview of um, of our uh, misery index a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you set up the teams for us. There's a, a monster that's uh, screaming behind you as, as we speak in your earphones. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Uh, this dog really is a monster. <laughs> uh, let's start with the Buffalo Sabres. What Halloween candy are the Buffalo Sabres? Um, man, for me, the Buffalo Sabres are like Junior Mints, I think. Ooh. For me, per- okay. these are all personal whatever. Obviously, someone's like, well, I, I, like I love Junior Mints and I hate Buffalo. Um, junior Mints are like a candy that I want to like, and everyone tells me that they like them, but uh, I don't see anyone ever eating them. Yeah. So it's kind of like Buffalo Sabres fans, where I honestly got, I see them all over Twitter. But I feel like I just don't see any outside of there. <laughs> I feel like uh-huh. I just sort of like, and I know they exist. They're, they're a great hockey market. But I'm just always like, I hear about you guys, but I hear about you more than I see you. Yeah. And then and I'm just like Buffalo Sabres fans, they're only at the movies. There's nothing <laughs> to do with that. <laughs> Buffalo Sabres to me are a little bit like, um, Mounds bars, uh, because I feel like Mounds bars have a really great wrapper. You know, like it's just a classic. Like it's it's enduring. It's the same wrapper that it's been since uh, you were a kid and you got them in your Halloween candy. The problem is, much like when you were a kid, uh, once you unwrap the wrapper, you still don't want the Buffalo Sabers, <laughs> and you still don't want mounds bars you know so like like the packaging is great they've got those new jerseys they look sexy as hell Mm. you know and uh much like i'm sure mounds has brought in more than more than one executive to try and improve their image with children (laughs) uh they brought in taylor hall you know and and that was a decision but um just uh seems to me like it's it's never gonna get done for the uh for the buffalo sabers uh mm-hmm. i'll tell you you've got tampa bay lightning uh next on the list if i may be so bold i'll start off by saying tampa bay lightning uh, to me are the snickers bars because listen they're great they're reliable they're famous they're probably one of the best candy bars out there on the market and you know what i'm also i'm just over it I'm just never, I'm never in the mood for a Snickers bar, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not, Snickers are fine and they're, they're great. And then, but I've never once thought like, this is what I got to have today. I just got to freaking have a Snickers bar, you know? It's just not my bag. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're, they're a fantastic team. I hold nothing against them. I enjoy them every once in a while if I've just happened to stumble upon them, but I'm never seeking them out either. Mm-hmm. I you're gonna hate me for this because this is, you you love this candy, but I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are, are Reese's peanut butter cups. Are you you son of a bitch? 
No, because, go ahead and explain. Because I think they're. Uh, I like Reese. They're better like in Reese. cups than in pumpkins or tr Christmas trees. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, not only is it the cup, make, and there's one that Make cup. that analogy work, smart boy. <laughs> <laughs> but as I was gonna say, it's more like uh, it is like that though, because I like Reese's peanut butter cups. And I like them much better than any of the other shapes because the other shapes are always like too much peanut butter and just a little bit of chocolate. And it's like, I need a perfect balance. And I think Reese's Cups are the perfect balance. And I think the Tampa Bay Lightning, after they made the moves they made this year, were the perfect balance of a team. They had their skill. They had their grit and, and Coleman and Gord and whoever the hell else they got over there. Uh, it's just like they they made the changes they had to make and they went back in the perfect balance, you know, as in all things, Thanos, all that jazz. Um, and, the, and, and, and I feel like, despite the fact that I'm not a huge Tampa Bay Lightning fan, I feel like everyone likes Tampa Bay outside of maybe their division. Everyone's like, oh, Tampa uh -huh. Bay, that's a fun team. And I'm like, I feel like there's very few people that hate Reese's. There's people. They are the devil, but there are mm -hmm. people. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. I, I like that analogy. I'm down with it. My, uh, my Toronto Maple Leafs one is very quick, very simple. And to me, the Toronto Maple Leafs are three musketeers. Uh, people tell me they're good, but I don't believe them. <laughs> I was going to say Milky Way for almost exactly the same reason. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not a big fan of Milky Way, and I'll tell you what, uh, nougat just not my thing in general. So three musketeers would have worked as well um and it's that same it's the same thing i said i think the individual pieces of milky way are all very good uh and then you when you put them all together it's just kind of a mess you know so uh <laughs> toronto maple leaves individually very good all together kind of a mess the columbus blue jackets i'll tell you kind of the opposite uh the columbus blue jackets to me are a hundred grand bar and the oh. reason for that is pretty simple they are not talked about. They don't get no respect. And then if you open one and have it, it's pretty darn good. You know, it's it's uh, it's not bad. So uh, that's what the Columbus Blue Jackets are to me. They don't get any hype, uh, but they're just fine. They're just fine. I was gonna say uh, I'm sort of on the same lines, at least personally. I'm just gonna say Columbus Blue Jackets, a baby Ruth, because I I forget about them. And then I eat one and I'm like, this is good. This is good. But then when I'm not eating it, I'm like, I've never thought about a baby roof in my life. <laughs> I'm just like, that's the Columbus Blue Jackets. Every year I forget that they will even be relevant. And then every year I'm like, wow, where did this team go? Yeah, that makes sense. I like it. Uh, I think you had to take the Rangers first. The New York Rangers to me, um, I got to make sure I'm looking at these other teams, make sure that's not true of any of these other ones. Yeah. New York Rangers to me are Skittles. Okay. Colorful. They're all over the place. Different flavors. They're fun. Uh, you know what? For me, I, I know some people really don't like Skittles. I love Skittles and I love the New York Rangers. Skittles are great. Uh, the New York Rangers to me are Twix and it's for a very specific reason. The first time I ever saw uh, a uh, Twix left bar, right bar commercial. I thought this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen and I hate it. But you know what? <laughs> Those commercials have stood the test of time, much like when I first saw the New York Rangers publish a letter saying to their fans that they were going to openly rebuild. I thought that was an incredibly stupid idea. But you know what? Time has proved them right and me wrong. And so uh, the, the 
New York Rangers are like Twix bars. And in addition, much like Twix bars, they're delicious and I love them. And uh, I love the Rangers, you know? I'll, I'll hate them eventually when they've won seven consecutive Stanley Cups. Uh, but for the time being, I, I really like them. I like that. Uh, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, to me, uh, they're Mike and Ike because they're named after two guys, uh, but it's really about the whole team. And the whole team, in this case, not so good, but Mike and Ike, oh, God, are they great. Uh, so, you know... <laughs> There's a there's a little bit of a of a disconnect between the name and the product. Um, this this analogy fell apart a little bit because I actually do <laughs> like Mike and Ike, uh, but uh, that's what I had. So please rescue me. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguin penguins for me are um, Sour Patch Kids. I don't know if you know like Sour Patch Kids. Their little slogan now are like they're sour, but then they're sweet. But it's flip-flopped. Uh, the penguins were sweet and now they're sour. <laughs> like <laughs> they're just like, and it's and it's all just it's all uh, Jim Rutherford's doing, you know, he fucked up the mix. Sure did. Um I think you get to lead off our next one. So oh, uh, damn, I okay. This should be I gotta make this a good one. Chicago Blackhawks. What are the Chicago Blackhawks? Um You know, the Chicago Blackhawks are blow pops to me because like the outside veneer of like, much to your sort of like mounds bar, like the outside veneer of like a blow pops, like, oh, wow, this is a huge sucker. I love this, this is great. And then as you, as you look through it, then you just get to the center and it's like a turd tootsie roll. And you're like, wow, that's what this was all along. <laughs> I was sucking on this thing just to get to a shitty like, like sticky tootsie roll mm -hmm. and it's like you know what they should have tossed the tootsie roll out and just made it just made it blow pop all the way through it should have just been a, it should have just been a sucker and yeah, uh, I couldn't think, decide on what it wanted to be <laughs> i think uh i think two things I, I would go i think you could cut the at the middle van and just say they're a tootsie roll because they've been around forever and they ain't no good uh, <laughs> Uh, what I actually thought about with the Chicago Blackhawks, maybe you'll consider this cheating, but uh, roll with the punches for a second. Mm. I think the Ch Chicago Blackhawks are a chewy granola bar because they're in denial about what they <laughs> I like it. And Chewies are uh, clearly a candy bar. They've got chocolate chips. They're drizzled in syrupy sweet goodness. Uh, and yet they're trying to pretend to be a healthy, uh, you know, nutritious bar for kids. Uh, and I just think they're full of crap. I think they're uh, they're lying to themselves, and uh, you know, that's uh, that's that's what it is for me. So um, the Dallas Stars are real simple. The Dallas Stars are uh, Kit Kats because Kit Kats are my second place candy bar, and the Dallas Stars were oh so close, but they fell short. So <laughs> you know. um, I hope that's uh, not too specific, too time specific. Uh, but that's uh, that's my story for the Dallas stuff. No, I mean that's exactly what I was going to go with. It's like you want to. I was going to say you want a Snickers, but all they have is Milky Way, and you go. I guess <laughs> I'll have a Milky Way then. I love it. I love it. Oh man! So this is my favorite one. My favorite one just because I was like, "What?" It's the Minnesota Wild. So folks, you got to think of. Um, I don't want to be too harsh, but you you want to think of candy that's just nothing to you <laughs> that's just a bunch of nothing and to me the minnesota wild are personally 
are um, Twizzlers of any kind. Oh, yeah. Just because it's like, yeah, I guess. This kind of tastes like a shoelace. Um, And I don't know why I'm eating it. I was going to say they're black licorice, but that's just, but I I don't like black licorice at all, and I'm, I won't thrust that upon the Minnesota Wild. But yeah, they're like strawberry Twizzlers, where you're like, yeah, I like, I would rather anything else really, but this is inoffensive, <laughs> so whatever. Uh, to me, uh, kind of a similar line of thinking. Uh, the Minnesota Wild are like Smarties uh, because oh, yes. they're just there, you know. They're just they are there, and I would never. You know, I'd never not eat a roll of Smarties if that's what I had in front of me. Uh, but I'm never like, holy crap, I got to get these Smarties in me. You know, like it's it's just, I'm nothing. It. It's the same. It's the same thing. And I'm, I'm nothing. With it. Mm-hmm. I think Smarties for me, I've, I, I outright don't particularly like Twizzlers, you know, like I can eat them, but I never would seek them out or particularly even eat them if they were there. Uh, Smarties, I'm totally fine with, but I also just don't care, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vancouver Canucks are uh, the Crunch Bar to me because uh, Crunch Bars, I, I forget they're there a lot of the times, but then when I have them, they're pretty good, you know. So uh, the Vancouver Canucks are like a young team on the on the rise on the West Coast, and I forget they're there. Uh, a lot of the times, but then I, I watch them and I enjoy it. I couldn't think of a candy bar um, that I used to hate and now I love more. And, you know, that might have been a little too strong anyway now that the Canucks are back to competing with us and, and beat us in the series this year. But uh, that would be a more fitting analogy. So I'll think on that for a minute. But yeah, that's my uh, take on the Vancouver Canucks. I think I got to ride with that though, and I got to go with Heath bars because I used to really not like Heath bars, and now I'm kind of like, you know, Heath bars, all right. Yeah, Heath bars, all right. Oh. Uh, how about the Vegas Golden Knights? The Vegas Golden Knights are M and M's because they're because they're overrated. And there's oh. better ver- there's better versions of this, and I'm not saying Vegas is a bad team, but it's just like I I feel like. They're also like all the colors. They're, you know, mm-hmm. we just have to have all the colors. Then we'll be perfect. Then we'll be the perfect M&Ms. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, like you didn't need brown. You were already the M&Ms. And I was like, no, we needed brown. <laughs> we needed that color, baby. And I was like, and now we're, and now we're classic. We're just, then they've inserted themselves. Like they're the cla- like a classic thing that's always been there. Come on guys, you know, you love M&Ms. And to me, it's like, yeah, M&Ms are fine. And they'll always be like, top five candies that has ever existed you know just like because just by virtue of being around all the time unlike the Vegas Golden Knights but it's like it just feels like they're a mishmash of things in terms of colors and they're also but they want to sell you on we we're just we're the candy everybody wants baby I think that's fair uh the Vegas Golden Knights uh, forgive me again I'm going a little off the board it's not quite a candy but it's still a sweet treat Mm -hmm. uh the Vegas Golden Knights are honey buns to me because I got to tell you, and I went through a phase in college uh, where, you know, can see stores in uh, college dorms don't don't sell the healthiest of foods. Mm. Uh, and I went through a real phase where I was I was really on a honey buns kick and I really enjoyed them. I had them very often. And then this is I've never done this with any other food. But one day I looked at the like nutritional information on the back of the honey bun. I literally have never had one since. They are so bad for you that I was like actually revolted by them. And I have never 
even considered buying ones. <laughs> and uh, I think that's kind of what the uh, Vegas Golden Knights have done to me by saying, signing Alex Petrangelo. Uh, you know, it's not, I don't, it's not that they aren't good. I recognize that they're good. I recognize that if I had them, I'd still enjoy them, but I'm just revolted by their very existence now. And I will never pick them up in the same way again, you know? So, I like that. It's, isn't that um, sort of depressing though? I've had that happen with other things. I think mostly like little Debbie things. I'm like, man, I remember yeah. having those as a kid. Those are so good. And I look at them like, Jesus Christ, I can't eat you. <laughs> literally like 75% of your daily saturated fat. And it was like a one bun was like three servings or something. Yeah. It was insane. I I'm couldn't like, I can't believe do this it. to myself. Yeah. Like now like, that I know, I know this information, I can't. I know it. I'm in college and I'm indestructible, but I'm not that in- indestructible. Um, the Seattle Kraken, you finish it off with, and the Seattle Kraken very clearly to me are Christmas candy. In that, we started talking about them way too freaking soon. They were on the shelves way too freaking early, but once they finally get here, they'll still be delightful. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, that's when you're, if you go into a Deerberg's right now, you're not going to find Halloween candy, even though it's Halloween today, you're going to find Christmas candy. And that's way too early. We're two months out. It's way too early. But, you know, once Christmas rolls around, it's going to be a delight and you're going to want those hugs and those kisses. Hugs, by the way are fantastic and i don't know why we've relegated them to one season that's criminal it's criminal to me that they've been relegated to christmas um but uh you know so uh that's not uh, the candy i'm just talking about real hugs i just really starved people the physical touch <laughs> during this pandemic please, please love me <laughs> Oh, yeah. I like that. I like that. The Seattle Kraken to me are Kit Kat because much like how you break apart a Kit Kat, uh, they will be breaking uh, fans' hearts as they steal their favorite player uh, away from their team. And plus Kit Kats, when you break them, crack, cracking. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. That's a sponsorship, baby. <laughs> we just got it. We just locked it down, baby. Uh, we are a sponsored podcast right now. Um mm the uh that's a that's an episode you know that's, that's a whole episode uh when are you uh when are you allowed to see the sun again what's your uh what's your status there uh by by wednesday oh wednesday <laughs> so see here's the deal here's the deal i'm technically shouldn't be going anywhere on tuesday but i also believe in our democratic right to vote so i'm oh. just gonna you know go out and do it anyway sneak, sneak out yeah, yeah yeah look i'll be wearing um, i'll be wearing all of the uh sanitizer so it's totally fine yeah and uh ian won't tell you who he's voting for but i will no i don't <laughs> i uh i don't even know you know you could surprise me you could vote for the uh, libertarian candidate who is libertarian candidate for president who is joe jorgensen <laughs> In Joe Jorgensen, man or woman, tell me. Oh, God, I think I looked this up one time. <laughs> I think I looked up man or woman, Joe Jorgensen. Um, <laughs> that's a lady? Yeah, it is. It sure is. Okay, that's right. And that's she right. does not like the government. Um, tell you what, what, roads, not for her. You know what? I, I We're not covering the election. This is not an election conversation. But what possesses a human being? to run 
a totally hopeless campaign <laughs> as the libertarian candidate for president, you know? Like, what kind of a mental makeup do you have to have? Listen, I'm not even libertarian. Great. I'm not I'm not crapping on libertarianism. I wouldn't crap on the Green Party. I'm just saying, like, you know that you're not even going to receive like half a percent of the votes. So what are you doing? Mm. I guess you just love talking about issues, you know, maybe you're just <laughs> and like, and what kind of human being wants to do that? <laughs> and I just These love talking issues. These are probably the kind of people we should actually want to be our president because right. they're like not hungry for power. They just have an actual belief that they uh, yeah. want to. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they never will be our president. We, uh, yeah, I was going to say, rel- yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, if you vote for a third or fourth party, you have every right to. I just think it's always kind of crazy because we don't have the, the British, what is it, the British thing where basically like if 1% of the population votes for green party then like one percent of like their whatever house gets to be green mm-hmm. where it's like see yep. that makes some sense yeah that's a, a parliamentary system mm-hmm. um and uh you know people 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 don't want to know this but there's actually a, a political science concept called duverger's law which means that uh our current first past the post system means that the we can't have more than two parties because if if any other party ever won the you know if the libertarian candidate shocked the world and won the presidency then the libertarian candidate would just be the conservative party now <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh you know that's how it works it's uh i'm a nerd in other words i'm a nerd i will um, tell you um i'm very like as much as there's a lot a lot at stake and what have you as they'll tell you over and over again with this election parties and whatever aside I'm just very I know a lot of people are like I'm casting my vote and I'm not you know and I'm that's it for the day and I'll figure it out tomorrow whatever happens to me I am in it this is like the draft again to me I don't know why but I love I love election night coverage I don't know why I don't know why I don't know why I would put myself through this but I'm just sitting there I'm like yeah you tell me you tell me about which county in Georgia's reporting oh yeah baby yeah (laughs) and they're like and they're like yeah it's it's, it's Szechuan County in Georgia, and, report, and and Mrs. Arthur Graham. That's like that's she put her vote in earlier, and we're counting it now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, count that vote. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's a time, you know. It's it's gonna be a it's gonna be an experience. And Folks, I life can't wait life will it. go on. We will have a podcast next week. Yeah. We will. The the statist government will not shut us down. Whoever's <laughs> elected. Who's ever elected? We I will come out in I will passionately come out in favor of some free speech, no matter who's elected, you know, free speech about hockey. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. That's my only concern in the world. I'm, um, a one, I'm a one issue voter. <laughs> one issue voter. Let me have my hockey podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any either candidate, you know, neither of us have voted either candidate that uh, promises to make the two guys one cup podcast a uh, cabinet department. I, mm-hmm. I would say we both vote for him, right? Yeah. Like if that happens, we'll vote that so we can be bribed. Uh, our vote <laughs> got can two be votes, bought. Baby. <laughs> two votes in a state uh, that is decidedly one color and not the other. So you yeah. know, uh, here here goes nothing, folks. We got you covered. Uh, we, uh, we will uh, be back this upcoming week 
um, you know, sometime we're going to have bonus episodes or I guess, I mean, I guess our, our theme episodes will just be regular episodes now. It's mm-hmm. doldrums. So we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll have a, we'll have a, we'll have our live election night coverage tomorrow, uh, Tuesday night. Um, mm-hmm. And you can join us all then. We won't know what we're talking about, but we will have Ian's list of spooky words. So mm-hmm. uh, would you like to rattle one off before we get out of here? Um, let's see. Superstition. <laughs> <laughs> or warlock. How about vampiric? Ooh, I like it. Uh, that's it. That's, uh, we're done. That's the end of the podcast. Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, Happy Halloween. Vote. Enjoy your, uh, your free rights as long as you have them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we will talk to you uh, very soon. Yeah.